I love them. Love walking with these guys. And Elaine has been such a blessing to our school this year. And she's an amazing singer. Hey, we're excited to be here. I, I know I don't know many of you, and I'm sorry about that. I wish I could spend more time here. I, I work, uh, our training school is for both churches, for both Antioch Waltham and Antioch Brighton. Uh, I also am the young adult pastor at Antioch uh, Brighton, so I spend predominantly most of my time at that congregation. But I really do carry you guys in my heart. I pray for you guys, and I'm believing that there's going to be a real traction for the training school and the discipleship school here at the river. Uh, I already know a, a couple of you have approached us and said, hey, we're in for next year, and we're stoked that you guys are thinking about it. So we, we really want to do see a larger representation from uh, ANAP Waltham each year. So we're excited that that's going to happen next year. We're believing for it. Hey, well, I was asked um, to, to finish the series, Loved to Love. Uh, Sean said, hey, I want you to come in and uh, preach on Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Does anybody know what that is commonly called in the Bible? Come on, who's it? what is it? The Great Commission. All right, thank you very much. So it's called the Great Commission, but, but the, the, uh, the, the, what might happen is, is you might hear these words, the Great Commission. If you've heard any, many sermons about the Great Commission, or if you've been in church at all for, you know, I don't know, any time. Some of you guys might never have been in church. Some of you, this might be your first time here, and for that I say, awesome, I get to be the first to tell you about this Great Commission. But some of you might be like, I've heard this message a hundred times. What's he going to say this time? What's, what's he going to make me do this time? And so I just, I just want to reframe it, and I don't even want to call it the Great Commission. I'm going to call it the, the Great Challenge. The Great Challenge of Jesus to each one of us. And, and this is it. His challenge to us is simple, to make disciples. His challenge to us is to make disciples. Hey, two weeks ago was Easter. Uh, I view Easter as like the most significant weekend in the history of the world. There's, if there was three days that were the most important days in the history of the world, it was Easter. It was the death of Jesus and then the resurrection of Jesus, right? Because on it, two amazing things happened. First, sin was defeated. Right on the cross, the forgiveness of our sins. So Jesus was killed on the cross. And it says that God actually took the sins of the world and placed them on Jesus. So instead of us having to be punished for our sins, they were placed on Jesus. And sin was defeated at that moment. So if anybody believes in Jesus and his death and the forgiveness of sins, your, your sins are forgiven. But then the resurrection happened. And Jesus is given life again. He raised from the dead and he has life again. And what that showed was he had authority over death. And so it's now a promise of not only is Jesus living forever in heaven, but anybody who believes in him will live forever, eternal life with him. So on one weekend, that's a pretty cool weekend, right? On one weekend, sin and death are defeated. And so that's what we celebrated two years ago. And that's what I think is God saying, I love you so much that I would forgive your sins and then promise you eternal life with me. And that's, when I think of love to love, I think of we are stinking loved like crazy by God. And Easter just sums it up. But here's an interesting thing. 
You ever notice that none of the Gospels, the Gospels are the stories about Jesus, none of them actually end with the resurrection. None of them end with the most climactic moment or, or weekend in history. Actually, each Gospel in a different way shows Jesus interacting with his disciples. And each Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all in a different way, have him sharing a challenge with them. And that's the challenge I want to share with us this morning, the challenge to make disciples. But before we look in the text, before we look at Matthew 28, I want to tell you the story of three men who answered that challenge and in ways discipled me. I want to tell you about Kevin, Warren, and your very own John Prickett, who all in different ways have influenced me. But let me start with Kevin. Kevin was uh, the youth pastor at my church that I went to growing up, and he started when I was in ninth grade. And Kevin, from right, in, right when he came in, he saw my life, and he was like, he saw me, he was like, hey, I want to spend time with you. I want to I get time with you, Phil. You, you seem like a cool guy. Unfortunately, I wasn't interested at all in spending time with Kevin, or in going to youth group, or in doing anything, anything Christian. I just was like, no, this is boring. I want to play sports, and I want to do other things. I want to play sports. That was my main thing. But, so for four years, I, never, I not once went to one youth group event. Poor Kevin. Yet he still consistently, probably every few months, he would initiate with me and be like, hey man, do you want to just you want to do breakfast sometime? You want to hang out? I was like, sure, I'll hang out. Sure, I'll get a free breakfast. That sounds great. You know, and so we would do that occasionally. I remember specifically one time, my junior year especially, I was totally not interested in anything in the church. And Kevin got together with me and he says, he sits me down at breakfast and he's like, Phil, I got great news for you. I signed you up for a Christian leadership program. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, do you know me? Like, is it a sports camp? Is it like, that's about all I'm interested in. What are you talking about? And he's like, well, let me tell you a little bit about it. He's like, first of all, it's free. I was like, okay. That's, you know, it sounds a little bit more interesting. He's like, second of all, you, you get to go to Guatemala for a week. I was like, oh, all right. That sounds, it's getting better. And then third, he was like, and there's going to be probably 15 to 20 girls there that all love Jesus. Are you interested in that? And I was like, yes, yeah, sign me up. That sounds great. <laughs> it was during that month, long story, I, I'll keep it very short. It was during that month that I would say that I became a follower of Jesus, that I fell in love with Jesus. Life was totally changed from that moment on. And what I, what I learned from Kevin in that moment about discipleship was this, is that Kevin saw potential in a, in a punk freshman, you know, in, in high school. And then even over the course of years of me just saying, I'm not interested in this, he still saw my potential. And he decided to walk with me until I kind of fulfilled that potential. He stayed so consistent with me over time. And then invited me into the thing that changed my life. So what I learned from him as a principle is discipleship is seeing potential in someone and then walking with them until they fulfill that potential. Second story is about a guy named Warren Shoemate. Warren was a senior lacrosse captain at Gordon College. And I played lacrosse, so I I came in as a freshman. He was the senior. He was the the four-year all-conference player. He was the captain for two years. He was the guy that everybody looked up to. And I was, I would just say, an overconfident freshman who was trying to get playing time. All right, and so usually those two things don't mix that well, right? Ke- uh, Warren could have easily seen this overconfident freshman and be like, 
rookie, get me some water, you know? Or like, dude, I don't even care about you. I'm just going to play my game. Like, you're not even going to get playing time this year. I don't really care about you. Instead, what Warren did, and this so significantly impacted me, he says, from the first week of school, he said, hey, I see something in you. Hey, let's, let's grab dinner. And I was like, all right, sure, I'll grab dinner with you. And that started a whole year, my freshman year, his senior year, he met with me almost every week or every other week and just spent time with me. And we would talk about all sorts of stuff. He would teach me about leadership. Hey, here's how you lead a team. He would teach me about how to balance academics and athletics. He would teach me how to, how to actually carry myself out on the field and off the field. But the most significant thing that Warren did in my life was at the very end of the season, so last, last game afterwards, uh, I just remember gra- Warren grabbing me. He says, all right, Phil, my time's done here. Now it's your turn. Invest in the younger guys. And that started me from sophomore, junior, senior year. Every single year, what I would do is I would choose one or two freshmen who were coming onto the, onto the team. And I would pick them out and I'd say, hey, come have dinner with me. And then I'd just hang out with them. And then I'd talk to them about life. I talked to them about sports. I talked about how to, uh, their relationship with God. I, this is a Christian school, Gordon Colleges. It was so significant, though. The, the principle I learned from Warren is, is that discipleship is not just about us getting investment or us getting stuff, right? It's about us then carrying that on to someone else or us then investing in others. This is a significant life lesson that I learned from Warren. Final lesson I learned is from our very own John Prickett about discipleship. So, uh, again, I got discipled majorly in college, but when I was a freshman, John was actually my RA. And many of you guys didn't know that. He was a junior and I was a freshman. And I remember, I knew we would hit it off right away because when I got on the floor, I was putting my stuff in. I remember John, like, coming into my room and he just looked at me and he says, bro, do you like football? <laughs> and I was like, yes, do you like football? And he's like, yes, let's go throw. And, like, immediately we go out into the quad and we just start throwing. And, and if you don't know this about John, he's got a cannon of an arm, just an unbelievable quarterback. And I was a wide receiver, so... Basically, you just go, like, go long, and he just chuck it. And I was just, oh, my gosh. We just play for hours. And we talk about life. And so he discipled me in how to play football. That's my lesson that I learned about John. No. He, more than that, this is the most significant thing that John did in my life that year. I remember at 8 a.m., almost every single day, our, our rooms were adjacent to one another. And I would hear the worst, this, like, worship music started to be blasted in, in their room. And it would come through my wall. And I'm like, bro, I'm trying to sleep. But, and, and then I would hear over the worship music, I would hear him like, like Jesus, I love you. <laughs> Stuff like that. And, and mind you, I, I, I had only really been following the Lord for like maybe a year. And so like my like time with the Lord looked like I just sat in this chair and I just opened the Bible and read some verses and prayed a little bit. But here, the, all of a sudden I'm hearing this like music and these loud noises. And he's like, I was like, what is going on over there? And so I remember going over and being like, John, what do you do in the mornings? And he just was like, hey, I'd love to have you come and join me. And I'd love to have you come and learn what I do. And so I did. I came and joined him. And, and what he did was he showed me. He's like, all right, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how to hear God. I was like, hear God? What do you mean, hear God? He's like, yeah, all you do is open your journal and start asking God to speak to you. And you start writing it down. And why don't you do that and then come back and we'll talk about it and see what God's saying to you. And so I did. And that started from my freshman year of college, that started what I would say is kind of me just like falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with his word, falling in love with him speaking to me, falling in love with, with, a, with a dynamic relationship with God. And it was because John chose to 
show me and actually teach me how to do those things. That's what I learned from John was this, is that discipleship is about keeping the first things first. And that is, are you spending time with Jesus? Are you obeying him? Are you getting to know him more and more? So I just, I thank you, John, for your influence and impact in my life. I have many other stories of, of men and, and even women who have impacted my life through discipleship. And so my challenge to us today, or my call to us, or my hope, my, as I was praying about this this morning, is I want to see us as Antioch Community Church of Greater Boston, us as Antioch Waltham, us as Antioch Brighton. Would we be amazing at discipleship? Would we be a people who, who know what discipleship means and who are willing to actually change our lives in order to invest our lives in the lives of others so that they might know Jesus and fall in love with him more? That's my desire for us as churches. And that's what we do in the training school. We're all about saying, just like I learned from Kevin, it's seeing potential in people. The training school is about seeing potential in people and calling it out. It's not about you arriving as this perfect Christian or this, hey, I got this stuff figured out. Instead, we like the people that haven't gotten it figured out because no one's got it figured out, let me tell you. We haven't gotten it figured out, and so we just say, hey, the discipleship school is a year of trying to figure out who God is and how he's made us and how he's going to use us here on earth. That's the point of the training school. Another thing that we see in the training school is we keep the first things first. We say, hey, at the end of the year, I want all 17 of these students to say, I love Jesus way more than I did in the beginning. And it's not like a, hey, I checked the discipleship school box, I'm good, but it's like, we hope it's a launching, like a, like a springboard to the rest of your life to continue to pursue the Lord. And then, like Warren taught me, it's about learning, it's about being invested and then taking it to other people, investing in the lives of others. So that's what we do with the training school. That's what we do. It's, it's a discipleship school. We really feel like it, is, it has changed and it's going to continue to change many people's lives going forward. So I want to look now at the text that these three men actually heard or read and said, hey, I'm going to actually invest in Phil's life. I want to look at the text that, that, said, that they read and they said, hey, I want to do this. I want to answer the challenge of Jesus. So let's turn right now. You can look at Matthew 28. It's going to be up on the screen. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And just, just a short context again is Matthew 28 is the beginning is the actual resurrection. But again, that's not the end of it. Then Jesus, he actually meets these two women, Mary and Mary. They come to the tomb and they see that it's empty. And so then Jesus appears to them. He says, hey, go tell my disciples to meet me on the mountain in Galilee. And so Mary and Mary go back, tell the disciples, hey, go, go meet Jesus. He's actually alive. And so here we take it up in verse 16. It says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said, came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Again, many of you maybe have read this before, and what I ask right now is I'm just going to say, uh, read it with, an, with a new lens, or, or read it with, with a, the heart of a child, just saying, hey, what do I have to learn from this text again? How can I be encouraged again by this text? You see, I think it's so significant. There's three verses I want to I key in on, and that's 18, 19, and 20. And Jesus says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey my commands. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These three verses summarize the mission of the church. These three verses summarize the purpose that he was giving to his disciples he meets them on the mountain in Galilee, and then he says, hey, these are the, this is what you're going to do the rest of your life. This is what I'm asking you to do. This is how I'm challenging you. These three verses are the, are the natural overflow, or the natural the next steps of us believing in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We have been forgiven. We've been promised eternal life. And then Jesus says, now go and give this to other people. Now go and invest your life in other people so that they might know and love my teachings and live like I did. These three verses have led more people to do crazy, amazing things in the world. These, these three verses are the reason why heaven is going to be populated with every single tribe, tongue, and nation one day. These three verses are the reasons why there's about 2 billion people who would say they're believers in Jesus today out of the 7 billion in this world. These three verses are the most significant verses that I think we as a church need to answer as we carry on the chain of discipleship. If you could picture this long chain, it started 2,000 years ago with 11 men, and they chose to invest in a few people and share Jesus' teachings with them. And then, and then those people then went and did the same thing with others. And eventually, just these, like these little chain links, all the way until now. The reason I stand on this stage today telling about Jesus and how I love him so much is because of it started with 11 men way back. Right? The reason why you guys are here, whether you believe this or not, is because 11 men believed in Jesus and wanted to actually disciple others. And so that's where we land now. That's where we are today, is are we going to carry on this challenge that Jesus has given to us? So that's my challenge to us, church. That's my challenge to you, Antioch Wall family. Are you going to be ones that will continue to answer the challenge that Jesus gave his disciples? John did, Kevin did, Warren did in my life. Who's, whose lives are you guys investing in? Whose lives are you guys seeing potential in people and saying, hey, I want to walk with this person? Whose lives are you saying, hey, are you gonna, I'm going to invest in you. Can you invest in other people? Whose lives are you saying, hey, let's keep the first things first? Grace, how's your relationship with Jesus? Asking those questions. Are you, are you obeying what Jesus has commanded? Are you obeying his teachings and living like he did? I want to invite the band back up. We're going to have 
a time of response before we transition to the cake auction. My message is simple, but I think it's important for us to hear, guys. I think we need to be exhorted again to carry on the challenge that Jesus gave his disciples. And so here's my question that I want each of you guys to ask yourselves right now. There's actually two things I want you to ask. It's a very simple question, but it's, it's, it's one I think you need to always have in the back of your mind. You say, God, who are the one to three people who you want me to invest my life in? Who are the one to three people who you have called me to disciple? Each one of you guys, no matter where you guys are, feel like you are in, in your understanding of who Jesus is or, or the Bible, or anything, each one of you have been called to invest your life in others. Who are the one to three people who you are doing that with? And all you need to do is just ask God. Just say, God, can you highlight a couple people who I can actually invest my life in, who I can can be a part of in terms of discipleship? Second thing is, hey, ask the Lord about the training school. Next year it's going to be, it's Antioch Discipleship School. Ask the Lord, is a year of my life something that you want to to really ask me to, to come and be a part of a discipleship school to really learn more about who you are, learn more about my part in kind of what you're doing in the world. I hope that the training school, the discipleship school, is something you guys, a few of you say yes to. But you need to ask God. Don't just write it off and say, no, no, that's not for me. Ask God and ask him really say, hey, is this the right way for me to spend next year? Those are the two things that you can kind of be asking the Lord right now as we enter in this time of response. But the final thing is, is that our training school, we were meeting for about the 30 minutes before our worship service this morning. We were just praying for you guys. We are praying for the service, praying for the Lord to just come in a powerful way. And, and actually, one very specific thing that we felt like was, a, was kind of an a encouragement for the, this congregation was this. We feel like there's uh, maybe some of you who might... Uh, who need to be called into the next step of your identity. We, we feel like it's, it, it was just almost this picture of us taking, like, being, like we have crowns. So there's this concept in, in the Bible and, and that we have actually crowns. God gives us crowns. We're now royalty. We are like princes and princesses. That's how he views us. We are not like slaves and servants. We are actually royalty. We were like, hey, you are now my son. If the king of the world says you are my son and my daughter, then you are royalty. Right? So it's this idea that we get crowns on our head. So we almost picture ourselves putting crowns on your head and reminding you, hey, you are, you, you are a son or you're a daughter. Your identity is this. We want to remind you of that. Some of you might not think that or believe that right now. Another way you can view that is maybe some of you guys need to be actually released into ministry into discipling others, feeling like you might be on the sideline, like, I, I don't have what it takes to do that. That's a, that's a lie. You are royalty. You can actually go and do this. You can disciple others. So we want to we wanna pray over you guys. If that's something that stirs in you, we want to actually pray over you and say, hey, receive the crown of royalty. You have authority to go and do these things. So I'm going to ask the, a few of the training school students to come up front into the sides And if that's you, come and get prayer. Either way, why don't we all stand right now if you're able to stand. Let me pray for us as we respond with this song. Lord, I thank you so much for 
giving us the challenge to be ones who disciple. And I pray, Lord, right now over this congregation and that, that they would leave today saying, hey, these are the people I want to invest my life in and disciple. Because we want to see chains of discipleship linked together until one day you return, Jesus. We believe that there's many people we can invest in. So Lord, I pray that you would highlight those. And Lord, if there's any way that, that I need to step into this idea of royalty, come, respond, and get prayer right now. I pray this in Jesus' name.